For the working cowboy. And the saddlebag just snugged right down, sugar. Well, right howdy there, Daylight Burners. Welcome back. Sorry I missed a little episode earlier this week, but I think we got a good one to make up for it. We've got Tommy Gazelle. Uh, Something uh, about horses. Texas fella, originally. Especially South Carolina Low Country now. Whenever yes, sir. I yes, of course, Charleston. Okay. I uh, see my wife and I went to Charleston for our honeymoon. I am, I'm very fond of that place. I'm, I'm not big. It, well, I was raised with the whiskey round. It is, it, and that's where I met my lovely wife. Nice. But nice. I never uh, knew the place yeah, like the old boys did. I, I don't know what this This was all a cathedral in the cowboys. They all knew. Yeah, the shrimp and grits are pretty famous around here. But yeah, <laughs> I've never been a grits guy, but uh, but the sh- you, you throw some shrimp in there, that's pretty dang tasty. She disappears. <laughs> um, we had to we had to go full tourist when we were there. And went to Justine's kitchen and had the fried chicken. Uh, I forget what they call the sweet tea. Something but, yeah, about it's horse best fried chicken around too. Especially yeah, uh, I, guess, I think it was Guy Fieri. Whenever I see horses, it was it was it was damn good. Um, but neat neat place. Um, not exactly what you'd uh, you'd expect a, a horse trainer, uh, you know, to to be located. Um, but I, I guess uh, thing about back east, there are still people that have plenty of horses. They just they don't use them like we do out here. Yeah, and um, there, there's a don't you know. Don't get me wrong. There's a ton of horses out here, and um, you know it's kind of and and there's not a whole lot of what I would say, you know, cult starters and 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 there's some good horsemen around, um, a different style, of course. But horses to me out here are a luxury as opposed to horses out west are a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are using them much, you know, much more out west for work. And, you know, around here, it, it's showing. And um, that could be hunter jumpers, um, could be fox hunting, um, polo. And, yeah. you know, I, wouldn't, I don't think any of those are necessarily a necessity, but they're definitely a luxury. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Like we were talking earlier today, my, uh, my oldest sister, um, she's, this is her third marriage. So she was, she's Paula McKinley. Uh, Paula Duhon or Paula Williams, depending on when you caught her. But now she goes by Williams. But she, uh, she was pretty. She, uh, she was actually coaching at um, the UNC Greensboro. I think it's got a maybe got an equestrian team or something. They do. Um, they do. Yeah. So she was she was coaching there for a little while, and then she uh, she had her own kind of barn circuit that she went and. Uh, and now I think she's kind of kind of like you've got where she's just under private contract now. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, and and she she said the same thing. It's uh it's a different horse world back there. There's still a lot of horses, but it's a, it's a completely it's a little more uh well, it's a high-end mentality, not necessarily high-end horses, but a high-end mentality. Yeah, and you you know, you come across a lot of warm bloods um which you know are neat in their own way. Um I had one at one time. He he was a wonderful fox hunter and he jumped all right and uh but i've broke or started a lot of warm bloods um and how did those big you know, goofy he, deals uh how, how was that when one of them busts into well you know they're almost too big to keep going <laughs> they wear <laughs> themselves out pretty quick and and i can't recall Oh, I don't think I've ever had a bad warm blood to start. Um, but the one thing is, is just like a well-bred quarter horse, their movement just comes naturally. Mm. And um, that's what's neat about them is, is just their movement. And even, you know, different from quarter horse, thoroughbred. Yeah. And um, their big movements. And, you know, I will say that the warm bloods, have taught me finesse and the art of what a a refined horse should feel like and that's just being a 30-day baby you know under saddle compared mm -hmm. to you know the, some of these gangly thoroughbreds that you know it take a little bit to get through to them um the warm bloods there's a re now i don't want to insult anybody but there's a reason they call them dumb bloods um, <laughs> we can insult yeah, they, everybody here we're it's a, it's it's listed a comedy podcast for a reason so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they um they're they're pretty i don't want to say dull-minded but they're not going to put up much of a challenge and, kind, of, kind uh, of a they're dead pretty head. easy to, they're yeah they're, well yeah they're pretty easy to convince let's put it yeah. that way there um, you, go. you put it an obstacle in front of them they're going to, they'd rather not fight you and wear themselves out. And they'll just do, do what you asked. You know, well, that, that's got to be pretty handy at times though. It is. And, and that's the way I, I approach all my horses too. No matter if it's a warm blood or quarter horse, thoroughbred when I'm starting the young horse is just, um, I, I think I hit on this today at some point is ride them like they're made mm -hmm. and don't ever doubt them. And I don't care if it's the first ride or the, the, 30th ride you got on them just don't doubt them and i approach you know if i get on a two-year-old for his first ride and he feels all right in the round crowd then i'm going to take him out there's no no sense of me keeping him in the round crowd let's 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 expose him as quick as we can yeah and if i'm taking him out in the woods and um i, I can recall one horse i had and his first ride i took out I mean, he's a fairly good sized down tree in front of me. And I just looked at it as, Hey, confidence builder yeah. and took him, trotting him up to it and no hesitation. And I just put a little leg on and put my hands forward and just gave him support he needed. And over he went. And after that, it was just piece of cake to him. Huh. Um, but that's just the way I, I, I kind of go after my young horses is just um, treat them like they're, you know, ride them like they're made and um don't doubt them and also that not just as a horseman but if there's there's people out there that are riding with the aspirations of becoming a trainer is is 
when you start to ride like that and approach your young horses as made horses, you start to develop a confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, the confidence in yourself is, is, is key to working with almost any horse in any discipline. You've got to have the confidence. And, um, it's taken a while for me to, to realize that and also to have that confidence in myself to where I'm comfortable with what I do. And I do all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just one thing, you know, and, and uh, you know, the contract I'm under right now, we, we're always doing, getting into different things every other year, different horses. And um, that that's what I really enjoy. But I'm at a point now where I'm into the stage of not so much, you know, I've got a couple green horses and, and I got one that I said, I like to keep him green cause he's so fun to train. Mm. Um, but I've got a handful of horses that are really letting me get into the part of finishing one. And, you know, when I was a colt breaker and I was young and that's all I was doing was breaking babies. You never really get a chance to finish one or to put no. a refinement handle on them. And now in the past couple of years, few years, I've had that opportunity to really focus on, you know, finishing one, putting that refinement, that, that nice soft touch on one. And, and that, that could be anywhere from, from, you know, putting them in, you know, bridle, you know, just create, you know, making a bridle horse. And to me, a bridle horse is, is, is just as fun as riding a two-year-old that's a little snorty for the first time. I mm-hmm. get a joy out of both of it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing know. like on a real, real well-bred, well-trained cutter, you know, when you drop the reins and that sucker, like, yeah, you hold on. <laughs> he's, he's just going to go. And uh, and that's that's really fun. Or... You know, when when you when you get a good rope horse that just just works the rope just like you want them, you know, and uh, yeah. and just moves off the legs and uh, and you know it just that's that's yeah, like you said, it's just as big of a thrill, albeit with a with a way less danger profile than than a snorty <laughs> two year old, but it's uh, it's still just as fun. You get that same kind of rush and. Uh, and it's just, it's just really cool. Especially if like you, if it's something that you've been working on and you're just like, fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck it, yeah. It, that... Yeah. It, it, it gets to a point where it, you know, like I say, satisfaction is short lived in this industry and in training horses because it's, you know, the other day, my buckskin horse, um, I, I have no other way to describe him, but he was just at the stage he's at and what I, what I was asking of him, he was perfect. Mm. I mean, it, it was it, it, one of the best rides I had on that horse. And he um, was in a bridle that I've only ridden him in. That was the second time I'd ridden him in the certain bridle and uh, the San Mars Pelham. And I mean, the horse was just precise, little bitty movements. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny, you know, you compare, like you said, when you drop the reins on a cutting horse and they go to work, there's, you know, just that, that pure excitement, that joy, that feeling. Well, you know, I can get that from riding a bucking horse or riding a cutter or getting those little precise movements Mm -hmm. out of my horse. Yeah. If I want him to move his 
left foot three quarters of an inch to the, you know, to the left, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, but like today, he's a shithead. Yeah. You know, it, it's, that's horses. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like here, uh, like I was telling you today, so we, we've had in the last week and a half, we've had mm, a good close to 20 inches of snow, uh, probably close to two inches of rain. I don't, I didn't see what the, the gauge said it today, but it was, I mean, it was just dumping buckets when I went, went into this morning. And, uh, so we're, we're at, you know, foot of just liquid shit everywhere. And, <laughs> and, and it's, and it's cold enough to where like today it didn't, uh, you know, it was raining when I got up, so it wasn't froze. And, uh, but it's still cold enough to where it's just thick and soupy. It's, uh, just a good, just that right consistency to pull all the muscles, you know. <laughs> and, and pull uh, your boots off, and pull yeah. your horse's shoes off. Mm-hmm. And... I, I tell you, I, I, uh, I walked a uh, uh, heifer down the alley the other day from the shoot. She was just, I didn't, I didn't feel like going back and getting the horse because it was just down the, you know, a couple pins over from the shoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, if I had to do that very often, I'd have an ass like that Lainey Wilson gal, you know, just, I mean, oh, I is would that have, the singer? Yeah. Isn't that thing a work of art? <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't figured out what this whole thing is. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I, we can pull it up. That's the cool thing about <laughs> about this little platform is we, You're we can force me to look at this, huh? And make a judgment. You you can uh, you can tell your old lady this this was completely my fault because I sent this to my to my wife and I said, hey, is this real or is this like work done? And uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out if if that's real. <laughs> um, I've I've decided that it's probably as real as Sasquatch, and I believe in Sasquatch, so. Uh, that, that's, that's what I'm going with. Um, (laughs) but that thing is, uh, I don't know what's going on. Well, I'll just go. I will say it looks like my horse, big Pete's butt. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to have a bunch of Laney Wilson horses running around come springtime (laughs) after this, after this winter. (laughs) Oh no, no. Dump the whiskey already. Hold on. Technical difficulties. <laughs> we we get to talking about big butts and I go go to hell, go to hell in a handbasket. Um. Well, I will say that that I like my horses with big butts and big hips on them. Me too. Me too. You know? I I like a, a yeah, just a good. Good solid hip on uh yeah mm-hmm. and yeah there there's there's nothing nothing wrong with that there we go we we got it i think i think we got it pulled up now, maybe there we go all right, pop it up here. And this is just for science sake here. I, I probably wasn't what you were expecting to get into on, on this podcast, but Hey, we're here. We're here oh now. God. What is that? It is. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think according to my wife, that thing is real. And 
you know, I don't know if she's got a guy or whatever, but good for him if uh, if she does. Um, yeah, that's, you know, they, they can never again say that, that white girls don't have butts because that, that thing is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish all my horses had, had butts like that, you know? I do too. Uh, <laughs> I wish they all did. But, um, yeah, that, I don't, I forget who, who sent that to me. And now, like, it seems like every third post on Instagram is just something about Lainey Wilson's butt. And I'm not, I'm not upset by it. (laughs) But my wife goes like, is that all you look at? I'm like, well, it kind of is now, but it's not my fault. I promise. Well, it's kind of all they're showing. I don't even know what her face looks like. I'm, you know, scrolling through social media and that thing pops up and I'm like, what in the hell? And I just, I don't, I don't know if it's a meme or what it was when I first saw it, but (laughs) I I didn't keep up with it. It was, uh, I guess it was during NFR when, when somebody, they either shared it and, and I I came across or, or I, I think somebody sent it to me though. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not upset by it, but it, it has like overtaken my, my newsfeed here lately. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not upset by it, but it's, it, uh, it did make me wonder is like, you know, it seems like nowadays everything is, is just kind of, is that, is that all natural or or is that, you know, we've got some supplements involved there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely got some weight builder in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably on senior feed. You know that <laughs> three times a day, three times a day, yeah. Couple, couple extra cans if, uh, if, uh, depending on how, how you feel, but uh, um, so I guess, uh, before we get too, fo- too much farther in this, uh, what, what's uh, what's your background a little bit? I know you're 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 from Texas, and um, I, I've seen seen your stuff around here and there on on uh, on Facebook and being in the, the cowboy and kind of horseman world it's uh you know it's there's a lot of people in it but it's still kind of a kind of a small community so um it, it is i agree with you 100 percent on that and um social media to me has made it made it much smaller but i met a lot of great people mm-hmm. but um yeah i grew up in in south texas and um a triplet uh twin brother twin sister oh no and kidding. um uh Mom showed horses, and so, you know, there were horses always around, and it always seemed that I was getting hurt by them every <laughs> time, just being, you know, mom, you know, that's the way mom taught us is, you know, I don't want to say she ever gave us a formal lesson. She just gave us life lessons, and, and um, but it, oh, this wasn't my plan. I, I, I when I was a kid, I dreamed of being a professional surfer. That imagine that because <laughs> all the horses were hurting me all the time. And um, but um, I think I think the thing that really struck a spark in me that there might be something something to this is is I watched the it was an old polo documentary I believe called the um, Palo Alto project and okay and from the first minute that video came on um something went off in me and I didn't know quite what it was and and so I 
after high school, I mean, we, you know, we started riding a little bit more and a little bit more here and there and, and carrying the polo mallet with us and, and didn't know what the hell we were doing. And, you know, I'm trying to hit a polo ball off a 16-2 thoroughbred. And, um, but, you know, I didn't think anything of it leading to any type of future. And so I stuck around Texas for a little bit after high school and, and, um, uh-oh, did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm still here. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, after high school, I stuck around and, and worked at stockyards and rodeoed a little bit. Well, yeah, I'll just say a little bit. I started riding saddle bronx and then went to um, uh, riding bareback horses. Or wait a minute. Yeah. And then um, broke my arm riding bareback horses. And so I started riding bulls and did that for a while. And, and then had a chance to um, move to Wyoming and work at a ranch out there with my brother and um, this ranch you know they bred polo ponies that's what they did and so i thought well hell this is cool and but i was just going up there to visit and um mm -hmm. hang out with my brother for a little bit and and um what was uh, was there a guy there was a guy that um when i was in kansas because uh, i'm originally from southeast colorado mm -hmm. and and i was living there in, in southwest kansas and there was a fella I posted an ad, uh, I was trying to sell a, my, my good mare, actually, that still got her, um, on Ranch World ads, and uh, I forget the guy's name, Bill Bill Mackey, maybe, and he was he was wanting to buy her as a polo horse, and I wonder if maybe that's, I, I forget where, he's yeah. from Wyoming somewhere. Well, Bill Mackey, he's, he's got a, he goes to Wyoming, then he's also in Alabama. Yes, yes. Is where he's at, and, and he, he, um. Actually, I talked to him, I think it was in September. Um, I talked to him a little bit, and I forgot what it was about. But, you know, I know he's he's buying and selling a lot of polo ponies. Yeah, and, yeah, he um, uh, he was kind of a trader, and I don't say that in a, in a disparaging way. He just, he was, you know, sometimes that, that horse trader kind of has a negative connotation. And I, I don't I don't mean to say that with him. He seemed like a pretty straight-up guy. No, it, he there, seemed like you know, he traded a lot of horses. There's people out there, and, and I still can't figure out this formula, how they do it, that there is people out there that just sell a ton of horses, mm -hmm. and they put little time into them, and they make good money off of them, and they're good horses. Mm. And and so, they, you know, I think the, the name, or saying horse trader, is yeah like you said it's got a, a kind of a derogatory meaning to it but not it doesn't have to right um, i mean hell if if i can make a living buying horses and putting 30 days on them and making them a good solid horse and making decent money hell i do i i do it <laughs> well and you know they they got to be good uh at some point because otherwise your your you know your client base dries up pretty quick yeah and and yeah. and especially in the horse world, uh, word of mouth is a killer. Oh yeah, uh, word, word of mouth is everything. Yeah, and 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 you and to me, you've got to admit your mistakes and if um, and stay humble in this business. And and you know when when I was in Wyoming with my brother back, God, this is late nineties. Um, 
we're we're going to one other part of the ranch to um i think look at the brood mares and the man we were with he was he was head of the 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 horse division at the flying h mm-hmm. um he said he just asked me he said have you ever rode bronx before and i said well yeah i, I, I rodeoed and he said no i mean talking about just you know break he didn't say breaking colts he just said can you ride a bucking horse and i said yeah, yeah. and um he said you want a job and i said well yeah i want a job and so i tore up my plane ticket called mom and said i'm staying i'm me and jerry are gonna well you know i'm gonna be working with jerry and and they got all these all these two-year-olds everywhere and three-year-olds and and it was like heaven and and so i got to work with a a a, a, a really I don't like to drop names. I, I, I just, I try not to be a name dropper. And, um, but I worked with a man that, that was a big influence on me when I was younger and mm. learned some things from him. And then just kind of started, you know, of course, working with my brother and working under the guidance of some other, uh, other people. Um, but it, we're, you know, the, the, the thing at this ranch was, you know, we're, we're halter breaking weanlings. Mm-hmm. We're saddle breaking yearlings. We're, you know, saddle breaking two-year-olds and riding them. And, and when I'm talking riding them, we're, you know, we're putting them on cattle and, and we're riding them all day long. Mm-hmm. And we got, you know, I think at one time we had 14, 15 of them and, and it was a blast. And then as a three-year-old, or a, or a late two during branding season, we're using these horses. We started from the ground up and we're dragging calves in the branding pen. And I know mm-hmm. it's a lot of people do that, but when I'm, I think I was 21 years old, you know, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. That's you know, the I get the job ever. I get to ride these, these two year olds. And if they get to, if they buck and you know, yay, I, I don't mind riding a bucking horse. I like mm-hmm. riding bucking horses and you know i get to 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 move cattle every now and then that wasn't our main job there was not the cattle was just strictly the horses but we got to use our two-year-olds on you know moving these cattle and then by the time they're three i get to put them on the polo field and and that was that was just one of the coolest things to me and um and then as a four-year-old you spend one more summer on them and then they go to florida or tennessee or you know or the cell barn Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that always happens but i was kind of getting all of these different disciplines at one time at one ranch and it was teaching me just horsemanship nonstop. And I didn't even realize it. I was so young at that time. And of course, when you're that young and you're in Bighorn, Wyoming, and you're around polo, you kind of don't think about all that stuff. You kind of think about having fun. Oh, yeah. We we, we did a lot of that. And, you know, I will say it took a lot of maturing from that point. You know, I went back to Texas. Um after a couple winters and went back to my real job selling um basically all the medicine that goes to a feedlot i was selling 
mm. and um, breaking colts here and there on the side at mom's place. And, and, but I couldn't stand it. I just couldn't take it anymore. And, and I had an opportunity to move to Aiken, South Carolina. And that's where Jerry was at the time. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a product I was selling at um, VA Snails that was made right outside of Aiken. And so I did a job interview, got up here, they hired me. And so I moved up here and I, of course I knew that job wasn't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I needed to ride horses. I wanted to ride horses. And, and when you're in Aiken, South Carolina, that's all there is to do. I mean, mm-hmm. there's every type of horse you could think of, except, well, there wasn't any roping horses in Aiken at that time. There's a couple now, but, um, you know, is is the only job I could find riding horses at that time was on the racetrack. And really? yeah, and it's, you know, I, I went up to the barn and I talked to the trainer and she said, you know, I said, do you have a job? She said, well, what do you want? What, what do you do? And I said, I break babies. And she said, okay, how do you do it? And I said, well, I take them in the round crowd. I hobble them, this and that. And she's like, no, this is a race barn. We don't do that. I said, what mm-hmm. do you mean? And she says, we put you on their back. And I'm like, and? She's, then she says, we put you on the track. And then you go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, as much as I did not, I will say that was the one thing that, growing up in this industry, I did not like was riding racehorses. Yeah. I just, it, it, it a, a racehorse trainer is very specific to me, a racehorse. That's yeah. all they want is a horse that runs. And, but in that process, I met another man that ran, that raised racehorses, but he didn't do it on the track. He kept him at his farm. And when I went over there to talk to him, he had 10 of them to break. Um, I said, well, Marshall, why are they not on the track? He says, because out of these nine horses, 10, one of them's going to make it. So I need to be able to sell the other ones. And the first thing that those ones for sale need to do is learn how to stop. Mm. And that's one thing racehorses off the track don't do very well. And so this guy wanted me to put a stop on him, wanted me to put a little bit, I don't want to say put a little bit of a handle on him, but put a little bit of um, maneuverability, I guess you could say with these horses. And then from there, business just started growing and growing and growing. And not only that, but my horsemanship. And, and, And I was just, you know, like like I told you this afternoon, I, I've never really ridden with anybody. I've never trained with anybody. I just listen and watch. Mm-hmm. And I don't watch one particular discipline. And I will say that probably the one discipline that benefited me the most was basic dressage. And I know there's a lot of people that probably are sick of me talking they're they're probably sick of me talking about that by now but to me the you know basic dressage is key to to creating a, uh, the the movement foundation of your horse the manipulation oh, yeah. of the body and um and and 
it, it's just bait, you know, dressage means training in French. I mean, mm. and so when I started to, I got to be around a lot of three day eventers at one time and I got to watch three, four lessons a day and I actually took a couple and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm looking for right there. I don't have to mule rein these babies around the pasture, you know, for 30 days. I can actually start getting, getting them to bend their rib cage, getting them to soften, mm -hmm. to supple within that 30 days to where it's just a little bit easier for my client to ride. But also mm -hmm. it was all, I mean, it was just, it, it changed my whole perception on what I was doing and also really opened my mind to, um, to this whole other world that, you know, I didn't see in South Texas. You don't see three day eventers like this. And, um, you don't, you know, I know there's dressage down there and, and, and all of that, but not like what I was around. And it was just a, 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 it was one of those really growing points in my horsemanship is real, you know, and it took somebody to yelling at me to get me to understand what they meant by I could be a better trainer. And that was by going further, advancing my horsemanship, not just breaking babies. Mm. I can do so much more than just break a baby. And so once I really understood what she was saying, once she quit yelling at me, then it clicked is yeah i could be doing a lot more with these horses than what i'm doing and yeah. then that also evolved my horsemanship as well is it got me in a state of mind is is my horses can always be better mm -hmm. i can always be better and i can take advice i can leave advice but i never discount somebody for their advice um, cause they might have a different approach on, on the way they train horses and, um, and then just from, oh, I guess there came an occasion in 2006 or 2007, I had a man call me about starting a, um, little, little Palomino horse he had bought down here in the low country. And I was still up in Aiken, um, and I, I called the man and, and, and I said, you know, what, what, what do you want me to do with this horse? And he said, well, I want you to get him broke. He's pretty nasty. And I said, well, okay, I can do that. But what are your plans? And at that time he had an idea that maybe he would make this horse a rope horse. And, and I said, well, okay, cool. I, you know, I can get him started doing that, you know, dragging logs and whatnot and, mm -hmm. and just putting a handle on him good enough. And I'm still with that man today. And that that's the one I'm under contract with now. And so if you count back to 2006, how many years is that? What is that? Seven, 17 years, I think. Well, 17 years I've been with this man. And he allowed me to continue eating we broke Mustangs for him that he was, he was running a Mustang program at the time. And, um, so when we got back to South Carolina from Wyoming, he, he had built a, a, a really nice facility down here in the low country. And I was still working for the public. I was breaking babies like mad. I mean, I, I was, I, I was 
I had a waiting list. I couldn't tell you how long. And then I was riding his horses at the same time. And so there was kind of this, I work out of his barn, I ride his horses, but I still get to have my clients. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, very interesting. It takes a complete 180. I get introduced to fox hunting. Oh, okay. And mounted fox hunting is something I would have never, never in a million years thought that I would have been doing. And then as that progressed, then the horses changed over. We started going into the warm bloods and the thoroughbreds. And I'm still working for the public at this time. And I decide, you know what, I'm a I'm adventurous enough. I've got a big enough imagination. I've got an idea. And so I went to him and I said, why don't we start our own? Let's, let's just call it pack of hounds, our own fox hunt. And he said, okay. And I blew my mind. And so I was now developing fox hunters and fox hounds, huh. which is a lot of work. I can imagine. And, and not only that, I was, I was kind of in charge of all of it. Um, I was given an autonomy to do what I wanted, do what I needed and get the help I needed to, to, to accomplish what we were shooting out for. And, and so then we, 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 you know, that was a, great opportunity to really expose horses to what I'm going to call extreme shit. Um, yeah, I'd say so. You know, it's, it, you're not only dealing with, you know, 32 hounds, 16 couple, you know, screaming, you've got sometimes 15 riders, 30 riders, 60 riders riding behind you. And wow. you got to have a horse that's got a good mind for that. Yeah, that that would uh, they don't know whether the shit or go blind. (laughs) That it's exactly it, and and, but you know, and and the thing too is is I guess I left this out is I've been riding an English saddle for quite some time. Of course, the polo saddle is not an English saddle, but basically same thing. See. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, right, right, ride my English saddle or riding my stock saddle, it may, you know, no difference They're saddles, um, just an English saddle. You have a little less around you and you got to keep you gotta, your leg on a little bit. You got a lot more like, balance. Yeah. A lot more balance. And that made me, uh, uh, to me, that's really what refined my riding was, was riding my English saddles and, and, and jumping. And like I said, you know, that was something when I was in Aiken and I was around these three-day eventers and I'm watching them jump these big fences and, you know, the, the, the solid jumps. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. It looks like it's, that looks dangerous. I want to do that. Um, Yeah. See, that's where the cowboy part comes in. It's just like, (laughs) oh, that looks really dumb. Let's go do it. (laughs) Let's go do it at a full gallop. And, uh, and so I started going out to some of these schooling courses with some of my babies and young horses and, and the people I was with while they're training over these fences, I'm out 
just messing around out in the, you know, jumping a log into the pond and, and going down banks and up banks and just doing all of this stuff that these ladies are competing at. I'm just looking at it like, this looks like fun. Mm-hmm. And, and so later on, let's say five, six, seven years ago, I figured I better start taking this shit seriously. If, 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 if I'm going to do it, there's no half ass to it. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking for, you know, I got a race, race trainer right around the corner and I was buying horses from him. And, um, I had all the jumps that I needed and ones we didn't have, we had built and I just went to jumping twice a week, all my horses, all of them. Mm. And I don't care if they were a jumping horse or not. Every one of them had to do something over a log, a ditch. And, oh. um, but then my Fox hunters are the ones that I had to get serious on. And, 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 you know, going from cross rails to a four foot triple bar, <laughs> It's quite an accomplishment, and I, and I say I was pretty proud, and I'll say that um, you, it's another one of those things like when you, you, you drop your reins on a cutting horse and they go right to work. There, there's that sense of accomplishment and that amazing mm-hmm. ability in a horse, but then it's short-lived, and yeah. it's time to go on and make a better one. Yeah. And um, so now I'm here by way of well i don't want to say misfortune i i I needed to make a change and in order to make that change i had to break my ankle Mm. and i did that doing a video of a sale horse a a horse that um oh i think it was thoroughbred and i didn't like him and we needed to sell him and so we we were going to make a sell video and he was jumping around just fine and came to a little brush box and he moved to the left so quick that, that I went straight off his shoulder and, and my left ankle went almost 90 degrees sideways and, Oof. and, um, in the stirrup or no, I was, it, I landed, I came on the ground straight down like this on the ground. Mm. And when that left foot hit the ground, it just went sideways. Cause I was, Oof. I was coming down with so much force. Yeah. And so, now I got a got lot of slingshotted. It, exactly. Yeah. It flung me. Mm-hmm. And so now I've got a lot of time to think, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Fox hunting is probably not a good idea because riding alone is dangerous in itself. But fox hunting adds a, an extreme element of danger to it. Well, jumping. Yeah, uh, before we head on too much, like, can you explain like the process of a fox hunt? Because I've I've heard a little bit about it, and this was like a like a blue blood like English sport, right? I mean, this is like what the lords and and the you know the dukes and and their their stupid kids all all did. Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for for podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. 
Uh, so no matter what uh, your setup was like, you can uh, start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and also, if you want to take your conversations to uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer, answer and polls are the best way to get them talking. You can attach that to your your podcast there and, and you get your you get you know, valuable interactions with your fan, your fans. And, uh, with Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. And that's, uh, that, that is true. Um, supposed to do a testimonial here. Um, but anyways, this is the the podcast I use or the podcast uh, host that I use. I like Spotify. They're uh, they're very good on just letting you do your thing uh, with uh, with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify, and, and this is uh, this is a great way to get started if you if you have ever thought about starting a podcast. This is where I would send anybody to go. Um, <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for podcasters app, or you can go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And yeah, if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that, uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify podcasters is your spot. So, uh, go to spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. Well, and, uh, it, it, originally fox hunting was truly vermin control, mm-hmm. and but they found it, and it started out that you know all the farmers in the countryside would get together and let their hounds out, go kill foxes because those foxes were killing their chickens, and then just as the evolution of everything, it came over to the United States, and and we and, made it into a sport. <laughs> It turned into a sport, turned into a business, turned into a moneymaker, turned into debauchery, mm. if you could imagine that. Um, but I think that comes with the, the horse territory is debauchery, you know? <laughs> it does, it, it does. Because it, it takes uh, a kind of a fucked up person to think, hey, that's a, you know, 1,000, 1,100, 1,200-pound animal, 1,500-pound animal. I bet I can ride that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just yeah. takes a, takes a little bit of depravity just to to even think that, you know. Yeah, 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 and and, and the way I'm gonna I'll, I'll describe the fox hunting is I'm gonna try to put a positive, the most positive spin I could put on it, and that's with our pack. When we so a typical morning for me when we're getting ready to go fox hunting was get up at four o'clock in the morning, put on all your attire. Then you put your car hearts over it mm-hmm. so you don't get it dirty and um, go to the barn, wake the hounds up, bring the horses in, unblanket, 
groom, feed, um, go to the house, get a cup of coffee, come back and start tacking horses. Well, I, I didn't have to tack everybody's horses because um, it was just us. We didn't have what, what's called a field. Like we didn't have members. We were a private pack. Okay. Uh, but eventually we did get to get into some, some big fields. Um, but yeah, typical morning. And so we get the horses all ready to go. And then we have to, we collared all our hounds, GPS. Um, and then I put my list together, what hounds are going out and what numbers, um, you know, I had a, a tally sheet or a number sheet for each hound. So if number 16 didn't come back to the trailer, we know which hound that is. Okay. And, uh, and what kind of hounds are these? I was breeding, I had crossbreds and, and they're, a lot of people like to refer to here, they like to call them walkers. Oh, okay. um, that's kind of your American hound. Mm-hmm. And I had some crossbreds, English. Um, I had some heavy English crossbreds, but I wanted American hounds. And I bred three really good packs of American hounds. And they just suited me and my country. They had great voice, great noses, um, extreme drive. I mean, th- these hounds, would they, they wouldn't give up. And... So before we go to a fox hunt, you know, I open up the trailer and then I open up the kennel doors and those hounds. And I couldn't believe it that I got to do this from the first time I saw it to when I was doing it. I open up the kennel doors, 32 hounds run straight for that horse trailer, go inside that horse trailer and I can shut them in. And then I load all my horses and off we go to wherever we're going to hunt. And we get there everybody gets saddled i mean not saddled but everybody gets on i get my hounds make sure my hounds are ready and i get on they let the hounds out of the trailer and and off we go and um the hounds follow me to cover and i had a way that i took my hounds to cover and my hounds knew that when i slowed down and stopped and stared at the woods they knew it was time to go and I would just say, whee, whee, and, and sometimes they found, sometimes they didn't. But, I mean, there were times that I was walking down through the swamps, you know, pulling pigs out of the swamps that they had baited up. Um, the only thing we didn't chase was deer, hmm. uh, you know, because there's not many fox left. And so we ran coyote, ran the hell out of coyotes. Oh, uh, that. Started killing pigs down in the swamps and. Pigs are fun. They'll run. They'll give you a good chase. Well, uh, I bet. But, you know, I I miss fox hunting in a way because I think that the, the really last year of um, fox hunting that I did, I, I think it was just one of the, the culminations of a career. And I got to be the huntsman for performance trials. And so I basically got to hunt – Oh, uh, I think I took eight of my hounds and there might've been, I think 50 other hounds from six other, seven other packs. And mm. I got to hunt all those hounds together. And that's awesome. both days we found a gray fox the first day. And the second day we, we found a coyote, a bunch of people got to view the coyote and, and he gave us good sport. I mean, just wonderful sport. 
but that was a true honor to be picked to hunt all those hounds because you know that's like letting somebody ride your horse yeah <laughs> you're not gonna yeah. let them ride your horse unless yeah. you know them and mm. so it was a great privilege and uh, but awful. now after i started riding again after the whole broken ankle thing i realized i needed to get back to to where i was to me um and i needed to to relax i was getting way too serious not that that's a bad thing but i was just getting uptight Mm. and i needed i'm one that's always creating looking for something new and so i started started writing a book it's still on the shelf not finished but then I decided I, you know, these traditional bits, um, you know, were never my thing. It just never were. They, I didn't see any reason for them to be. But then I decided, well, I'm getting a little bored with my horses. I want to figure these things out. And, and like I said before, when we talked earlier that, you know, a bit is a bit is a bit, just like a car is a car is a car. It's mm-hmm. just what type, and and you know you you got a Cutlass Sierra. Anybody can drive one of those, um, and then you got your Ferraris. You know mm-hmm. the traditional bits, and and so there's people that are fine with driving a their Cutlass, and and you know never they're just fine with that. And then there's people that are driving a Cutlass that really want to learn how to drive a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And then there's the guys that are driving the Ferraris that are helping those people. But, you know, to me, you know, riding in these bridles and having a horse really performing one is another one of those great feelings. And so, oh, yeah. and it improved my horsemanship. And it was something, again, it, it seems every time I do something in the horse industry, it's something I never thought I would do in my life or in in the years that i've been working with horses you know i i i thought it was just when i started it was just all about breaking babies mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm first one on their back i'm first one to do this first one to do that and i liked it and i just wasn't paying attention to all the other stuff going on around me that i could be doing and then i just started opening my mind looking for the opportunities to to you know ride a grand prix jumper ride a a, a, like i told you about that that cutting horse i rode um you know ride on the polo field and not necessarily be competitive but sticking you know good practice and stuff like that um you know these are things that i i did always you know every time they happen i say i never thought i'd be doing this and i can honestly say right now i never thought i'd be doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well here I we are people would be sick of you know hearing me talk about horses but you know that's this that's what i do um no you know, and I, then it's a it's a one uh i think I, I recorded one new year's day but like this would be i would call this like the official first official podcast of 2023 and you know and 2022 is just such, like not so much for me personally like i had a good year but like the world got so fucking crazy in 2022 that like it seemed like i my focus went from like talking to cowboys to like 
trying to explain all the crazy fucking shit we got going on in the world and and it's exhausting at times too and I like just talking horses and stuff, you know, like that. Yeah. I, I really like that. I know a lot of, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to history and politics, like a bigger nerd than most people realize. But, um, I, 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 I really just enjoy just talking cows and horses. Like there, there's a guy, I think I'll, I'll get, try to get you two on the same podcast. Uh, my buddy, Matt Wilson out of Oregon, he, uh, he's a spade bit buckaroo type of guy and he's a houndsman. So like, I, I, I think you guys would just hit it off. I think you guys would have some, some cool stories to tell each other about, you know, either training horses or training dogs. And, uh, yeah. and you know, it just like, I love hearing, like we didn't use, uh, we didn't use dogs much, uh, it, you know, where I grew up for, for cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we didn't have any fucking trees, so we didn't have any hounds, you know. <laughs> you know, there there was no need for any hounds over there. And uh and so I, I just don't have much uh then I thought I don't have much use. I've never had much use for dogs. I love love dogs, but uh like I've never had much use for working dogs. I just haven't needed them. But I yeah. love No, I, I, love... I know what you mean and, and I see that that's really I know it was big before, but I guess, you know, with the world of social media, it, it's exploded. And, mm. you know, same thing. I, I never had any reasons to have a cow dog. I had a, I had a border collie in Wyoming that he was great at ripping one's heels. But when it came to listening beyond that, he, I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't have time to train a cow dog. And the ranch manager is always getting mad at me and telling me to tie that damn dog up. Mm. And, yeah. um, so I just said, you know, it just never had a need for those cow dogs. And, yeah. um, you know, and there's nothing worse than having a board of collie that's got nothing to do except run around and tear shit up. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that ain't no joke. Same with blue healers and red healers and all of that. Yeah. And, and, um, and hell, I'd say that, you know, your curs and your gifs are a lot more useful than those board of collies. <laughs> a little more versatile. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just I I, you know, since I've I've never had much use, for, but I I love watching a good dog work, mm-hmm. uh, and and I I really like listening to to guys that are that know what they're doing and 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 love it, you know. It just it doesn't matter if it's dogs or horses or whatever, but dogs are, per, you know, kind of particularly fascinating for me because, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and this is from like early age to like. Most of my adult life, you know, we, uh, once I moved out to Nevada, I, I got a little more appreciation for a good working dog because guys out here use them a lot because they have to, um, you know, just big, big open country and, <clears throat> and whatnot. But like back home, it was like one out of 50 might be a good working dog and the rest of them are just in the fucking way. You know, mm-hmm. they're pushing cattle over the top of you or they're chasing them off the wrong direction or something, you know, and it just, you know, so more often than not, you see a guy with a dog or you unload a dog and you're just like, son of a bitch, it's going to be a day, ain't it? You know, and, uh, but then you, you, you see one that actually works and, and a guy that knows how to work a dog and you're just like, holy shit, that, that guy and his two dogs did the work of like seven guys. Yeah. And, and it's, and it, it, it's it, impressive it, to watch. Yeah, and and what what I notice in that too is 
and it's the same way I worked with my hounds the same way I work with my horses is quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to yell. Um, once they pick up on you and understand what you want from them and you've, you've done your work, um, you know, you can let those dogs or let the hounds pretty much do what, what's kind of ingrained into them. Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of discipline and correction, I mean, I will admit we used rat shot to correct ours when they were running deer. We shot them with rat shot and that was going to be the last time they ran deer. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then I got to the point where there's no more shouting. There's, you know, and I, I used a horn to, to bring my hounds in or to send calls. But, you know, I, I would assume that a good dogman out West houndsman, uh, whatever they, you know, call them. <clears throat> is is probably the same way and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm sure there's guys that love to yell at them and do uh but to me i don't want to hear that when i'm working cattle i don't want to hear somebody screaming at their dog all the time and um i just want to watch that dog work and and get the shit done um you know but yeah i could i could see talking talking with the man you were talking about um talking horses and talking dogs and the different ways that we worked with them Mm -hmm. is, you know, if you kind of lump it all into one thing, there's probably only three elements to the process of training the dogs, training the horses. But in those three elements, you can divide them up a hundred different ways. Oh yeah. And then you got 300 elements. Mm-hmm. And but it's understanding all those intricacies within. I'm just using three as a number. It's yeah. understanding all the intricacies intricacies in those three elements. Well, and it, it's kind of the same way, even like the different styles of cowboy and too. You know, you've got like the buckaroo, the puncher, and then you kind of got the the east, the uh, you know east of the Mississippi guys. You know, I guess they're more like cow catchers or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of overlap between all three, <clears throat> but also you can break each one of those down. Cause you got like the California, like vaquero types mm-hmm. as opposed to like the Oregon or Nevada or Idaho buckaroo versus like mm-hmm. the Arizona and the New Mexico punchers a lot different than the Texas puncher, you know, that they, they, they're kind of the same equipment uh, th- through those, but it's still a lot different country where, you know, you're seeing a lot of boar hide stuff in, in, uh, New Mexico and Arizona, um, as, and, you know, and West Texas as well, mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, and, and you get into like central Texas and whatnot, and it's a whole different, it's there, you're still punchers, but it's still, you know, it just, and then you move, you further, you move North and you get so more of like the hybrid between the, the punchers and the buckaroo, you guys, guys dallying on rubber uh, and then, and then up into the, the slick horn and, and long rope and stuff. It just, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's the same elements throughout all of it, but yeah, you can break it down so many different ways. It's, mm-hmm. it's well, it, all it deals with the different country you're with. You're with. Yeah. And then, yeah, the country in 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 what you're doing and mm-hmm. of course weather's always a factor in all of that but what i find fascinating is well when i first moved to wyoming and we were at the mint bar i was told do not say you're from texas and i said why and they said well wyoming's don't like texans different cowboys 
I said, well, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but I was young and, and said, okay, I won't say I'm from Texas. And um, although there was a ton of people up there playing polo that were from Texas, just don't say it. But now it's, it, what's really fun is, is, is taking all those elements and understanding the differences. Like, I want to hear the opinion of a true vaquero. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the opinion of a cow catcher. I want to hear the opinion of a, um, a, a, you know, a buckaroo, um, a California. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the opinions of all these guys because I can take from each of them and apply it to methods that I use. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is working on being the best horseman you can be. And, you know, I'm not a cowboy. I, 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 you know, yeah, it's fun roping and, and, you know, chasing cattle, but it's, it's the horses. I'm all about the horses. And, um, you know, to me, you can't chase a cow if you don't have a good horse. Mm. Now you can run past a cow with a bad horse or rope him and that somebody's just going to run off, you know, attached to a cow if you're tied on. Um, but if you got a good horse, you got a good horse and you get your job done and, mm-hmm. and, or just enjoy your horse. And to me, that's probably one of the most important things is for, for, I don't care what you do with your horse, but enjoy it. Yeah. And, 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 and just, you know, if you're a trail rider, enjoy riding on the trails, which I can't stand. It's one of the most boring things in the world for me. Um, my, my dad's the same. Like he he loves to just go ride, <sighs> and 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 I'm fine with. I used to love it, but now like I make my living a horseback. The last thing I want to do on my day off is just go ride, because you know, like if if I'm not riding to do some sort of purpose anymore, like. I I just soon not. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I understand exactly what you're talking about, and I've tried it. I've tried to go on trail rides, but I end up finding myself schooling my horse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'd rather just pick up another colt. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and that's it. Or, or I'll 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 veer off from the group because I see something I need to cross or jump or or challenge my horse, and um, you know it's it, it's the another one of the my philosophies is every time you put a foot in the stirrup, you are training your horse. And that I learned, you know, I learned, I forgot who I, I think it was an Olympic rider that, that had mentioned that before. And it, it's something that stuck with me for a very, very long time is the minute you put a foot in the stirrup, you are training that horse, no matter what you're doing. If you're standing still out in the pasture, giving a lesson, sitting on your horse, your horse has to stand still or move in a circle so you can keep track of your, you know, your, your student. Um, and so enjoying your horse is, is, is being a better, not necessarily a horseman. You know, a lot of people just have one horse. Mm-hmm. And so get to know that one horse the best you can. Um, you know, me, I get bored with one horse. I want, different horses all the time because they're different 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Every I can always single one of them. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the horses I have in training right now, you know, each one of them has four to five different bridles that I use on them, depending on what I'm doing that day, what I have planned out, um, is the bridle that I choose. And if I feel that my horse needs, you know, needs a little more strength building, I'll put him in a lifter bit. Um, if I feel that one needs to be stopping a little more precise, you know, put him, put him in a spade or put him in the Barcanio and, um, and, and get him to start being a little more precise, but also let you find the holes in them too. Mm-hmm. Cause if your horse ain't performing in, in, in the bit you put in its mouth then you need to go do your homework, yeah, take a step gotta, back. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, like this time of year, I've got a, uh, it's a long shank floating spade with a couple couple rings on the on the spoon there that that uh that's kind of my go-to bit for just about all my horses this year because Mm -hmm. it's you know you know short sunlight and uh it's cold and they're kind of cooped up we don't you know not much going outside and they're little chargy little headstrong and they you know they kind of want to fight the bit a little bit so i put a little extra shank on it and then Mm -hmm. they got those rollers and it keeps them just occupied enough to where they're not quite as just pushing you know yeah yep and you got the leverage there and and mm-hmm. and you know to really keep them in check and and you can I've, still keep you know, a light hand with uh with that extra leverage yes sir yes sir you can and 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 subtle movements too and that's mm-hmm. what i enjoy is 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 riding a horse and having someone say i didn't see you make any moves on that horse how'd you get him to go right left back up and all of that and that's when I know that my horse is becoming a horse, a mm. bridal horse. But that's also the way I think riding should be. It should look motionless. It, that, that horse should look independent of its rider. Or that, not to get, you know, sound confusing, or the horse becomes the extension of the person riding them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that I preach to my students, you know, all the time is that horse needs to be an extension of your lower body. Mm-hmm. So when you're riding, pretend you're walking. Um, and, and this kind of goes back to riding them like they're made. But, um, you know, and, and let that horse carry itself, a green horse um, or a horse that you're really starting to get into the bridle let them carry themselves even if it's for a split second that that horse carries themselves that second's going to add up to a minute that minute's Mm going to add up to an hour and you know where i'm going with that it's then it starts to just become them Mm. and so even with my maid horse not i I don't want to call them maid but even with my horses that are much further along than some of my other ones I still work on their self-carriage. I still work on that refinement and the finesse. To me, to finesse a horse is one of the prettiest things that a rider can do. And that might not sound very manly, but, you know, it's, it's almost like watching, oh, and I wish I could think of the name and it just escaped me. But, you know, the Spaniards that ride those 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 big um 
like the Frisians and whatnot, and they yeah. dance around the poles. Uh, that is just some of the most beautiful horse horsemanship that I've ever seen. The way that those horses move and those riders, you don't see a muscle move, but you mm. know that their muscles are moving a hundred times a second, um, yeah. to keep that horse in their carriage. Um, and that, and that's what I, you know, I'm always like, I, I didn't, I'm going to go back and tell my students, don't ever, don't ever quit riding your horse. And that yeah. goes back to the minute you put in foot in the stirrup, you're always, you're, you're, you're training them, but never quit riding your horse. And, um, I know that might sound also a little confusing too, but that goes back to the, you know, if I'm out in the pasture and I'm, I'm giving a lesson and I'm sitting on a horse while I'm giving that lesson, I've got one leg working on the rib cage. I've got the other leg pushing on the haunches or mm -hmm. the shoulder. I'm always doing something and my legs are, are, are constantly flexing and my core, my, my, my fingers, it, it's, it's all these little tiny subtle movements that make one big beautiful movement or can make a nice soft subtle movement <clears throat> and to me it's not it's not just here i know i know we like to use the term it's in the hands but to me uh, it's in the body i think so too and you know on, on that same same level like uh kind of like you know going back to like the dressage where like they're they're so aware of where their feet are all the time and yes. uh I, that's what I love about a, a feedlot is because they have to be aware of their feet all the time. You're opening and closing gates all the time. You're sorting in the alley. And and some, like, you know, the really high-bred cutting horses don't work out so well in the feedlot a lot of times because they're just too hot. You know, they, mm -hmm. they just want to cut, cut, cut. And and that's fine. It's a lot of fun. I, I really like just, you know, going in, pulling one out and then just letting them go to work as you, as you're pushing them to the gate. But mm -hmm. there's times in the alley where you just need them to step over a half step and let one by. So then you can, then you immediately swing the ass end around and let four by, you yeah. know, cause, cause you got one that's holding up the bunch and you've got about, you know, five, 10 that, that can come by, but it's just this one. And so you just go a quick in and then you can go, you know, then you just, and it's just a, just a little, little precise movement on your horse will do the trick but if your horse ain't working you know you've got to figure out how to communicate that to them mm -hmm. and and they just they you have to make them aware of their feet and uh yeah and so like what whether it's you know you got your gates that come together in a v and you you know you open one close it and then you shift them around and, and you try not to kick you know just little little subtle movement with your leg will do the do the trick if uh if they're if you're listening to them and they're listening to you it's uh it's pretty cool especially on a young horse and then yeah you know i think a lot of guys get in trouble on on young horses is like and and you know i i know some guys are making big circles so they don't have a choice but when you have a choice like quit on a good note go get a different horse mm -hmm. um yeah it, it, that sometimes that does more good for them than any any other training you know just like hey we we learned something today 
let's call that good. Yeah, and 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 that's like that that ride I had on the buckskin the other day. I was like, I just want to keep riding you. I just want to keep riding you, but I know your limits, and mm-hmm. I don't want to push you um, because you were absolutely perfect today for where you were at in your training, and. You know, it's those times it's, you know, I was working Big Pete the other day and I just was having such a nice school on him. I wanted to keep riding him, but mm-hmm. I'd been on him an hour and, and I was like, you've done everything I've asked. You've done more. So, you know what? We'll take you back to the barn. And I dropped the reins on their neck and they know the way home. Yep. And, um, you know, I've got a happy horse at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and that that's good. I mean like you, you do kind of have to treat them like people. And then, you know, that's where you, you get, you don't want to treat them too much like people. Cause then you get into that, that horsey person world and mm-hmm. uh, the, the horse Karens as we call them around ah, here, but not the horse Karens. Oh man. <laughs> and you're just like, there, there's a point where like, you have to kind of treat them like people, especially if you're, if you're making a living on them, you like you, you have to treat them like you're like any other, you're, I mean, you kind of have to treat him like your best pickup that also breathes and shits and pisses and, you know, and, and gets sick from time to time and pulls muscles. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to treat him like a, like a high dollar piece of equipment because they kind of are. They just also happen to have a heartbeat. And, <laughs> and uh, a brain. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, when, when you have a real good horse, sometimes you got to, like, maybe give him a couple days off because, you know, you got a couple real real heavy days of work coming up and you need your your best mount so you know instead of instead of just like saddling your good horse to go do something quick go saddle a colt or Mm -hmm. or something that needs a little more work and uh, and do the easy stuff on that one so that maybe further down the road when when you need to you know neighbor calls you to come rope a bull you can go pick that one instead of your you know the one that's getting kind of aging out by then you know yeah yeah, and you've put some time on the young horse, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I I know a lot of people. Their school of thought on days off on horses is get on their back, give them a day off. Well, <laughs> but I I think you know it goes back to the breaking babies and turning them out for the winter, um, and they always come back in the spring as if they learned something out in the pasture by themselves. And, um, I, 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 I'm a true believer that time off for a horse is good. Um, and I know there's the old, you know, school of thought that time off a horse learns with time off. I don't know how they're going to learn, but I just think it's a maturity thing. It, 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 it allows that horse to grow and mature into themselves a little bit because a horse has to develop a lot. I mean, yeah. not just the brain, but, you know, joints, legs, knees, mm-hmm. confirmation, basically. They've got to develop all of that. And the more they come into their confirmation, and I think a good confirmation, the better they feel when they go out, when they're ridden correctly. They're not hurting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard not to humanize a horse sometimes, but sometimes you just have to. Yeah. in order to get a point across and there will be a lot of times that i will put a human emotion onto a horse because it helps me kind of think a little bit until i figure it out 
And, and I think one of the biggest things that I will always, and, and, and this might not just be a human or human thought, but is, is, is compromising with a horse. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think there comes a point where the horse just isn't going to do what you're asking it to do because either it can't or fighting him is not doing any good. So you find a way to make a compromise with that horse. And there's a million different ways, different scenarios, anything like that you can, you, you can come up with. But, you know, if, if I'm trying to get my horse into water, and my idea is to get all four legs in the water belly deep and he will not do it. If he puts a toe in that water, we made a compromise. I'm happy with it. Because tomorrow he's going to put two toes in that water. Mm -hmm. And if I'm lucky, he's just going to go in. But I didn't fight him. It's setting realistic expectations too. Yes. Yes. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's a... when you you know far better than I do riding horses for the public um the realistic expectations are few and far between like er- yeah. everybody thinks they've got uh the next you know secretariat or you know the next uh you know you know uh you know name any of the cutting horses name any of the roping horses everybody thinks they've got the next one mm-hmm. you know they got the next doc bar just sitting there that they rescued from a you know, a kill pin. He's 15 it's years old. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that. I, I was drawing a blank on, on, on the cat. I knew, highbrow cat. That was who I was, who I was uh, searching for, but metallic cat. Yeah. Um, but everybody thinks they got the next one of them. And, uh, most of the time they don't, they just got a horse, you know, yeah. they, they, they've got a horse and usually one that's, um, <sighs> It's not too late to do anything for them, but for those people, you, you they don't got enough money for me to make them what the, what they want them to be. Yeah, and and you know there's and and that's like I was saying earlier in our conversation this afternoon is that that's why I liked working with trainers. You put thirty days on one, and they're happy as long as they're mm-hmm. going forward, stopping, turning, not bucking. That trainer can finish them out. But then you get your 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 horse Karens or your backyarders, and they got some common great ass quarter horse that is like he looks like three horses put into one, and they think it's a great horse, but it's mm. their horse. And nine times out of ten, that turns out to be a good horse for them. And yeah. you know, I've had. I've had some really, you know, bred out the wazoo horses come through. They were absolute pukes. I mean, yeah. just pukes. And then I've had some some of the most common, I mean, I don't care, thoroughbred, quarter horse, warm blood, just common as hell, turn out to just be lovely animals. Mm-hmm. And I can recall one that, came in and I didn't think much of him. He was like 14 hands and just kind of common. Mm-hmm. And I think five weeks on him, well, three weeks, 
I was roping other horses off of him. And this is just, I just saddle broke him. And so I was working other horses off of him. And then I decided, well, you know what? I'll, I, I'm going to go stick and ball a little bit. They just, they just, you know, picked up the hay and the fields are flat. Let's go chase the ball around a little bit. And this horse was phenomenal for me. Um, you know, just going out there and, and, and letting me hit, you know, neck shots, uh, near side, off side, you know, both front and back, tail shot, belly shot. Horse didn't care. And he would rate himself just beautiful. You know, if, if I was coming to a short ball and I needed to check him a little bit, he was like that. And just the most common thing. And the lady, you know, when she came and got him, he had like a 12-hour trip to get home because of some... I don't know what was going on and he was perfect. She had to unload him on the highway and he was great. And, um, but I will say he lived a full life. He passed away a couple months ago. And, um, but you know, just because a horse is bred, if their papers are a mile long, doesn't mean they're going to be a good horse. No, um, no. I mean, because, well, I, I always used to use the, the example of Paris Hilton, like, can you, can you name one thing that that gal was good for? Like like what she contributed to society actually? Like I can't think <laughs> of much. Not a damn thing. But her granddad was a hotel tycoon, billionaire. Yeah. Yep. I mean, she she's got the same bloodline. She won well, more than the shit. Kardashians, same thing. Uh, they they at least make money. Paris Hilton, like she didn't oh. even make a she didn't even make a good porn. You know? <laughs> With her big feet. <laughs> Laziest blowjob ever. <laughs> oh, you made me snort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, I mean, the bloodlines tell you what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But, that, but it's, 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 it's also kind of like a suggestion, like, most of those horses have the ability, but I don't know. It also takes the the right person to. Some some of them are a lot more trainable. Some of yeah, them are. They and, and and that's the one thing is that there are horses out there that are so trainable, and those are the ones. And it's like I said earlier, the ones you want to keep green, because they're so fun to train. And I think in the past four years or so I've had a bunch of those come through that I, I just couldn't get enough of them. Mm. And like my buckskin horse, he's as, I mean, he's goofier than shit. I mean, the horse will take every feed bucket off the fence. He'll drag blankets out in the middle of the pasture. But when you get on him and you go to school him, it is just like, it's an amazing feeling training this horse um, because I know where he came from as a two-year-old. I had him as a two-year-old and you could barely trot him in a straight line. And now I've got him, you know, doing bridal work now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's the coolest thing. Like I don't want to finish him because I just want to keep training him. But I yeah. know that as long as I have him, I'll always be training him. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's those big steps that 
start to get smaller and smaller and start to become just you don't even have to think when you ride that horse yeah and that's where i sometimes kind of kind of miss the bronx you know mm. miss the buckers a little bit and there was uh, uh you know there was this one horse i i rode for i rode him for 60 days he had uh, let's see i guess he had he had, had 15 or 30 rides on him as a two-year-old uh he's a big dapple gray uh appendix quarter horse uh you know hancock and 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 some real fast th thoroughbred i guess um and and I, so they they sent him to me as a as a three-year-old because they didn't have time to, to keep going with him and they said well he, he might buck because you know he's a three-year-old but he, he's he got started just you know a couple rides on him whatever and he he bucked one time in in the little uh just a little water pin there at the feed lot and then uh within a week i had i was loading fat uh well not fats but pregnant heifers um on on the truck with him and like side passing like swinging the big heavy tub gate behind me and uh sent you know that that's a cool video you get to send to the owners yeah and uh and next thing you know, like I, within, within 60 days, I was doctoring cattle outside on him and, uh, and he was just so much fun. Like, and, and he was like, you know, Nevada Cowboys dream, just big hippie leggy sucker, you know, could really step out and cover some country and, uh, and just smart, quiet, easy going. And, uh, but like when, when you needed uh, to blow to one, he was there. I mean, he, he would, he would give it to you. And yeah. then just just work a rope. I mean, just just the kind you like. And then sixty days came real fast, you know. <laughs> like it came real fast. I was like, man, I hate to see that sucker go. He yeah. he was kind of becoming my like my number two guy. And uh, and you're like, well, shit. But I, I they still send me pictures of him, so I know I did. <laughs> yeah. I know I did a good job on him. That that that's when you want a baker's dozen of those type. You sell twelve and you keep one. Yeah, that and you that retire. Dude was, he was so cool. <laughs> like, uh, and I, I've never been a huge appendix uh, quarter horse fan. Like, I've just never never really got along with thoroughbreds too much. But man, I got along with that dude. He was he was cool. Well, I think the appendix horse gives you, in my opinion, what I enjoy is the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, not not to say that a thoroughbred is more athletic than a quarter horse, but it's just two different abilities. And when you mm. put those two together, it, it creates something unique to the appendix horse. Well, um, and those those long legged suckers, man, they're they're a lot better to sit at a long trot than them short squatty quarter horses. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we you, got. Um, uh, Oh, it was a number of years ago. We got two horses, two appendix horses from mom, and we brought them up here. And one of them was just, we called him Gentle Ben because he was just gentle. He was just this big, gentle horse named Ben. Um, and you, I mean, if you had to jump in through fire, he'd do it just because you asked him to, and he thought it was the best thing for you and an amazing animal um an amazing inventor and then we got another one from mom another appendix quarter horse or i mean gelding and this guy was when we first started jumping him he was a puke 
I mean, this thing, he would go up to a cross rail and just freak out. And by the end of his career, he was competing at, I believe, the three-star level, which is just four stars as high as you can go in three day. And this horse was just eating it up. He was winning everything. And um, he did it right up until he, you know, couldn't anymore. And I think he was 13, 14 years old, hmm. um, you know, and, 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 but he gave us the, the quarter horse mind with that thoroughbred athleticism. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. And, um, you know, I like thoroughbreds. I like quarter horses and, but I used to love thoroughbreds and like quarter horses and now i'm back into really loving quarter horses and liking my thoroughbreds you know it's it's always changing for me um Hmm. you know or evolving because my horsemanship's evolving yeah uh so i mean i mean they don't typically breed the thoroughbred for their for their mind so much they just they would kind of want them to run and uh and you know it's kind of like the Holstein, you know, like they they bred all the maternal maternal instinct out of the the Holstein cow, and you know they just they want milk. That's it. They that that cow doesn't have to take care of a, a baby at all. Uh, so that, they don't they don't care about the maternal instinct, but they you know they just want that milk. And uh, and it's kind of like the thoroughbreds, you know they 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 want them to run, they want them to run fast. That's that's about it. And uh, yep. the quarter horse is so it's so versatile because, you know, you got the, you got, you know, like the, the halter class, which is there, you know, you just want them muscled up. That's like your mm-hmm. bodybuilders. And then you got the rainers, the cutters, the ropers, you know, the, and then you got the, you know, the, the, the racing quarter horses, which is, you know, where the quarter horse came from to start with. And mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's, it's really wild how like there's like seven or eight different breeds within the quarter horse breed. Well, you know, I never thought about that, Matt. Um, yeah, because you're 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 not going to breed a halter horse like you're going to breed a cutting horse, Mm-mm. and you're not going to. Well, I mean, there's going to be a variation from the cutting horse. Well, yeah, you're not going to train a cutting horse like you would a rainer, and you're not probably going to train a roper like you would a rainer. Mm. Um, but what's neat is if you can combine a little bit of each one of those abilities into one horse. Yeah. I mean, you'd have a rock star of a horse. And, and then and, especially if you put a Laney Wilson butt on him, then you got Bo Jackson in a quarter in a quarter horse form. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you know, and I, I uh, my my wife's uh, she grew up around um, around Morgan horses, and I kind of like them a little bit. And you know, and the 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 draft crosses always are, are pretty popular from time to time. You know, they the draft cross goes in in phases. You know, people really love them, and then then they kind of fade out of out of you know they kind of go out of style, and then mm-hmm. then they spark back up. And but you know, it's just. There's not many people that use draft horses anymore. So those, like, when you get a good draft cross, they're kind of cool uh, anymore, just because they're 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 almost kind of rare. And then they they get not so rare, and they do, you know, like they kind of fade off. But then they're they're always around. Yeah. There's always somebody that 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 wants a draft horse. 
Yeah, I mean, hell, Ike Sankey's selling for $150,000, so yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. wants him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's wild. You know, that, you know they, they always say that the cowboy, they've, they've said it since, I, they probably said it back in the old 1500s, you know, when the, when the Spaniards were punching cows uh, in, in California and, and Texas, you know, they, they, they said the cowboy's a dying breed, but man, as long as, uh, as long as there's cows around, like there's gonna, somebody's gonna need a guy on a horse to go catch one. <laughs> and yeah. so there, there's, there's always going to be a cowboy people yeah. for what it, for however technology moves along, people like horses and I don't think you're going to change that shit. No. And, and, and I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. And, and, you know, there, there's going to be the guys that want to evolve to four wheelers and, you know, catch Jeeps and things like that. And, but, you know, to go out there on a horse and run one down and rope them, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's to me, that's, that's a little bit of a dying breed and it's not so much, I don't know why you know, I don't have kids. And, and so I, I, I can't speak much to kids these days. Um, you know, but I, there's so, there's so many other opportunities for, for, for kids these days that, you know, cowboy is just not that exciting to them unless they grow up knee deep in cowboy culture. And that's mom, dad, job, everything. Mm. Um, that, that sure helps. But, you know, and, and people talk a lot of shit on, on this, this Yellowstone show. And, like, for good reason. There's, there's, there's plenty of stuff that's not accurate, kind of portrays us not so well. But one thing it's done is it made Cowboy cool again. It's like, people, you know, these, these younger guys, like, they, they're, not, they're not looking down on Cowboy. And they're like, hey. Those guys are pretty badass, you know, and uh, it's something about it. Like, it takes a, you know, you, you say you're not a cowboy, but I, I, I disagree. You got, you got some cowboy, and you, you've, uh, you've done your share of cowboy, and you've moved on to, to different, different things. But like, well, thank you. You, you can't not call yourself a cowboy. It's, uh, it's in, it's in your blood, and then you don't, you get in a little bit of trouble because there it's not necessarily you have to be born into it. There, there's plenty of stories throughout time of guys that come from New York city that turned out to be top hands, you know, like there, that that's happened more times than, than, than I could count, mm -hmm. um, throughout history. So like you don't necessarily have to be born into it, but you got, you got to be able to see it for, um, it, whether it's romanticized or not, you know, like however you get into it, like it, it's got to be people got to see it and, and the right, the right type of people will, will migrate to it. And sometimes yeah. they're the wrong type of people, the wrong yeah. type of people will migrate to it, but they guess what? They don't last very long. They don't, they, it, 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 as soon as it becomes work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean like the, the, the wild crazy ass shit that, that that's always there. But even more so is the work. The work is always fucking there. There's never there's never a shortage of work. No, there's and, not. Uh, yeah. So like if if you if you if you think you want a cowboy, go cowboy, and pretty quick you'll find out how bad you actually want to do it. Yeah, and then you'll go work at a dude ranch. Find it's much easier. 
Yeah, well, and, and you, you know, you get tips and you get pretty gals every now and then too. So I mean, free drinks. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll have Elaney Wilson come through every now and then, huh? <laughs> um, I I don't want to keep you too late, but I gotta I gotta pee real bad. But let's uh, we'll end this for the main episode. If you got another fifteen twenty minutes, we'll uh, we'll do a bonus episode for my Patreon subscribers and uh, yeah. But man, I, I'm I'm sure enjoying this. Uh, where where can everybody find you before we before we uh, take a little little break? Um. I, I, you know, I'm not big on Instagram. I don't do TikTok, but Facebook is about, it's just, I guess I, I, it's my, my space to me. It's all I do is Facebook and, and, um, I know you can only get so many friends and stuff on there, but you know, I can always kick people off, but Facebook's about the easiest place to find me in YouTube. I've got some stuff on YouTube. Nice. You know? uh, just t- Tommy Gazelle. Yeah, you punch in Tommy Gazelle, and I'll come up, and then some guy that does karate. Hell yeah, there you go. Well, can you kick that guy's ass or what? I doubt it. What, maybe we should get him on on here, and we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, set up a fight. We can do that. <laughs> well, Tommy, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. We'll uh, everybody who's a Patreon subscriber will be back for. We'll we'll talk some wrecks when we come back, but uh, okay. Um, yeah, and everybody else, you should go sign up on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Burning Daylight. But, man, Tommy Gazelle, this has been a fun conversation. We're going to have to do this again. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, well, uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, move your ass. We're Burning Daylight. <laughs> Something about horses, especially pain. Whenever I see horses Reminds me of what I ain't Cause I am not your lover now And I may never be But with a couple pinto ponies How things go we'll have to see Cause the hitched outside to the rail right now And the silver jangles free And the saddlebag just snug right down Sugar, ride away with me There's something about horses Especially pain Whenever I see horses, I see a sadness in their face. Well, I was raised with the West around, enough to hum a tune. But I never knew the place like the old boys did, Chinook to Mountain View. This was all a cathedral then And the cowboys, they all knew That you can't keep a loop on paradise But she disappeared so soon She disappeared so soon There's something about horses Especially a pain 
Whenever I see horses, I see a path I did.